Hello and welcome to Enfocus, coming to you this week from Rosetown in the Mushroom Kingdom. My name is Hilka, I am your host, and as always joining me is Rosalie. How are you doing today? Hello, I am very good. I'm just tired because I'm old and it's a new year. New years make me sleepy. But other than that, I am very good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I have two little fun facts for you today. Oh, one is uh, I've noticed that whenever I introduce you at the top of the show, I raise my hand to the right to indicate that someone is sitting next to me, even though you very much are not. <laughs> How spooky. Maybe I am, and you just don't know it. I'm like projecting myself. <laughs> and the other one is uh, the bringer that we have here at the top of the show, Rose Town in the Mushroom Kingdom. It's from Super Mario RPG. Um on the site that I looked up, like, different locations, there was also a Dutch translation for it. Ooh. Um, which is Rosendam. Oh, that's pretty. I like in that. In the same way that, like, Amsterdam and Rotterdam are named. Um, I will also uh. say it makes sense that they'd name it like that because another common way that we named cities here is with Dal at the end. And Rosendal is just a place that exists in the Netherlands. It's cool. in the south. So that's why presumably they named it Rosendal in the Dutch translation. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing really, really well. I've been very busy, but a good kind of busy, doing lots of fun and interesting things, uh, including this. We uh, took... A couple weeks to do, you know, end of year things. <laughs> but uh, now we're back and the news did not stop. So let's talk about some news. Yeah. Our first story today is new additions to the Nintendo Switch Online Ext Expansion Pack. Golden Sun and the sequel, Golden Sun The Dark Age, are coming out uh, probably by the time you're hearing this episode, uh, because they're releasing on January 17th. <laughs> I admit I've never played them. I did play Golden Sun Dark Dawn on the Nintendo DS. Oh, yeah. But I missed out on a lot of narrative context because that was very much a sequel to the other two. And they were talking about a lot of events that I'd never seen. <laughs> Have you uh, played either of these? I played a bit of the first one. Somebody gave me like a bunch of Game Boy Advance games that they had lying around. And that was one of them. And I stupidly sold it. Because <laughs> I needed the money. Uh, after playing it for a bit, I'm getting confused. Because the battle system can get a bit confusing. It's like there's like a semi Pokemon element to it. Um, genie things. Yeah, and you, they all have different like types, and it gets a bit confusing. But it's a very pretty game. Uh, I'm gonna try it this time and see if I can actually get through it and likely use a guide <laughs> with no shame. No shame. There is no shame in using guides. Straight yeah. up. Um, but no, it's cool. I didn't think um, I know Golden Sun's are kind of very like beloved uh, game, so it's pretty cool that it's. I didn't think it would come. It feels a bit too niche 
to come to the Nintendo Switch online library, so that's pretty neat to have to say. I know that Isaac, the main character from Golden Sun, was like one of the biggest we want this character as a fighter in Smash ones that I'd noticed for a long time. Ah, like Gino. And he, and <laughs> he did eventually get a um, an assist trophy, I think, in the the Wii U one originally. Ah. Uh, maybe even Brawl. I don't quite remember. But yeah, he, he is an assist trophy, and that's as far as he's gotten. Um, next, this one was a really interesting story because it involves a little bit of video game history. So way back in the day, Nintendo had a working relationship with Sony. Mm -hmm. They were going to make a console together, and then more or less at the last minute, that relationship fell apart, and they went with Philips instead. That's how we got the CDS. History was made. <laughs> Everybody's favorite console, the CDI. Yeah. Uh, but there was a single working prototype of a Nintendo PlayStation. Uh, it still exists. It was most recently that I could find sold at around three hundred thousand uh, dollars at auction in twenty twenty. But YouTuber James Channel, I confess I don't know if that's my name is James Channel and this is my YouTube channel or this is <laughs> my name is James and this is my channel. Uh, uh, made his own kind of Nintendo PlayStation thing. He took the uh, the shell, like the outer shell mm -hmm. of Super Nintendo, and the guts of a PS1, uh, applied a lot of hot glue um, and various other power tools, including a soldering iron, an angle grinder, um, stuff like that, and tinkered together his own. There's like the the disc reader is where you put the cartridges on the Super Nintendo. And it's just like sticking. The disc is just sticking out of the cartridge slot. And it's just <laughs> spinning up in the open. Wow. Um, this video was genuinely exciting, anxiety-inducing for me. Because, wow, he sure was cutting into vintage electronics with an angle grinder. And that's, like, I'm, like, reasonable with power tools, but I learned how to use power tools in the context of woodworking, um, where there's, I think, a little more margin for error than we're, when you're cutting into, like, yeah. motherboards. But, yeah, it was genuinely very impressive, and I highly recommend watching it. Anxiety-inducing <laughs> as it And maybe. don't try it at home. <laughs> Uh, not yeah. unless you're very good with this kind of thing, no. <laughs> Next, we had... Oh, I loved reading about this story. So, uh, Tetris. It's a hell of a video game. For, for a long time, it was previously considered to be impossible to beat Tetris. At around level twenty, at level twenty nine, the game would start moving so fast 
that you couldn't move the blocks fast enough to create the lines and it would pile up and you would lose. But then uh, Twitch streamer Blue Scooty, who is 13 years old, beat Tetris straight up the whole thing. Like there's there's there is I think a theoretical endpoint to Tetris, but he got far enough in the game that it straight up crashed, and that's as far as you can get with Tetris. Um, I did watch the the video. I admit I didn't watch the whole thing. I sort of like watched the beginning and then skipped around a bit and got to the end part. Uh, he used a technique called rolling, <laughs> which I did look up videos on as well this story was fascinating um mm -hmm. where you take because he played on the original nes hardware so with an nes controller you take the controller you put it on its side um between your legs and then you have one index finger on the d-pad and your other hand you put a glove on it to lessen the wear and tear on your hands you roll your hand along the glove along the controller in a way that each finger hits the controller and pushes the controller oh. into the finger that's on the d-pad and that way you can get way more button presses in a short amount of time because you repeat the motion and then you do five taps very quickly and that way you can keep up with the speed of the tetrominoes falling and still get to make some lines. Uh, he got to level 157 with a total of 6,850,560 points and beat three different world records in the process. He's 13. <laughs> Uh, are you any good at Tetris? Because I sure am not. No, I am. I'm really bad at Tetris. I don't think I enjoy playing Tetris Effect because it's kind of music rhythm game adjacent. Uh, and I dabbled in Tetris. Is it ninety nine? The kind of Switch Online. Batterel version that you get, but no, I, I, I have think, yeah, yeah Tetris ninety nine. I I have I have never been good at Tetris. <laughs> what fascinated me most about this story is the fact that there can still be new techniques for this kind of thing developed this long after the game's release. Yeah, like. Uh, this technique rolling and another technique that has also been employed to great success called hyper tapping there as far as I can as far as I, as far as I could find their popularity really only began like four or five years ago wow. the originator of hyper tapping does claim to have been using it since I think the 90s uh, but their prominence did only start like within the last half decade. And to see people that are so young be so interested in a game that was made before I was alive <laughs> on 
a level that is this competitive and skill intensive because he was doing the the roll like you have to start doing the rolling pretty quickly like once you get to level 29 or so where the kill screen usually is he played for 120 ish more levels after that wow he he was playing for a solid like half hour just tetris (laughs) the same run he uh his victory celebration when he finally got the game to crash was just beautiful. He was so excited. Aww. And he did go out of his way to mention, oh, my, my hands, they're so tingly. I'm so tired. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, congratulations on achieving something that to the best of most people's knowledge has literally been never achieved literally never been achieved before yeah sadly over here the the news the discourse around this news was more popular than the actual news of the achievement it was a whole thing is that something you would like to get into well no i, I just think it's worth mentioning cuz it's uh because I don't know, it's kind of relevant. It's just that there's a there's a news show over here called Sky News. It's one of the evil Rupert Murdoch owned ones. It's quite right wing. I mean, most news shows here are quite right wing these days. Anyway, um, um, they talked about the news and they used the genetic thing of like, oh, kids these days should go outside and you know that 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 talk that has been going on for far too long and you assume in an age where gaming is very much a mainstream hobby as much as reading books and watching television is and people still have this notion that anything you achieve towards or indirectly linked to video games is somehow not impressive and it was just a bit annoying and then as, as discourse often does the people's reactions to it then spiraled into people kind of proving a bit that people who like games can be a bit awful but so it was kind of funny in a way to see it kind of like you know the circle <laughs> of just agonizing discourse um but yeah we all know that that's really and it's it's a cool like when i was 13 what was i doing at 13 uh, nothing. <laughs> I think I still practice violin at 13, and that's the only achievement I have, and I was very bad at it. So, there you go. Uh, it's, it's super, super cool. Um, I hope the kid gets, like... I don't... Who owns Tetris now? Is it EA? That's a good question. Um, I hope he gets sent lots of cool stuff by whoever does own it. I think it's EA. I think I could be wrong. But Well, I mean, we could watch the definitely very good Tetris uh, biopic movie to find out. Oh, I forgot that was a thing. Didn't they use stolen footage from, like, uh, wasn't Game Grumps or something, was it? In, in the series of the movie... Or, or they used uncredited footage from a, from a YouTuber because they couldn't be bothered just filming some footage or something. They were, I remember something, but oh yeah. Ugh. Mm. 
At least it wasn't as bad as the uh, Grand Theft Auto biopic thing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Um, the license that is controlled by the Tetris company. Oh. Uh, oh. Sweet. He's Dutch. Um, which is uh, managed by a man named Hank Rogers. That's Hank with an E. Uh, who is... I'm just reading Wikipedia verbatim here in <laughs> case anyone's curious. Um, known for producing Japan's first major turn-based role-playing video game, The Black Onyx. Oh, yeah. Uh, securing the rights to distribute the Russian puzzle video game Tetris on video game consoles and is the founder of Bulletproof Software, later called Blue Planet Software, and the Tetris Company, which licenses the Tetris trademark. Ah, uh -huh. I don't know why I thought it was EA. That's weird. To be fair, they own a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dutch uh, of partial Indonesian descent. Oh. It all, all comes back. It's all relevant. See, we Dutch people are a lot more relevant to the video games industry than... A lot of people think. <laughs> and I will shout that from the rooftops whenever I can. <laughs> we'll get our recognition one day. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> people still think Grand Theft Auto is American, so I feel you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, this is less of a news story and more of a PSA. Um, plug your 3DS carts into your 3DS every so often because as it turns out the memory that is used in 3DS cartridges and also most likely Switch cartridges uh, is a system called Extra ROM that degrades over time like the electrons literally like dissipate out of it and data gets lost but consoles, we know for sure that the 3DS has, and we're pretty sure the Switch has. I say we. This comes from the forums on gbatemp.net from user Socram8888 um, based on a leaked version of the 3DS firmware. Uh, that they have algorithms that can reconstruct the data from a cartridge that's been plugged in, but they do actually have to plug be plugged in to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's only a certain amount that it can reconstruct. If, there, if your cartridges are too far gone, they just will not launch anymore. I brought this up because a video game new show that I'm quite a fan of, Checkpoint, on LRVG, I think it's on their video games channel, from Loading Ready Run, uh, did a story about this and I figured I should share it because as a result of that I did see on social media people mentioning like hey I plugged in my copy of Pokemon Alpha Sapphire and it doesn't launch anymore so might be worth looking into doing that for yourself to see if uh, your games can be salvaged yeah that's terrifying I know there's yeah. I know there's like a thing in general with as much as I am a supporter of physical media, if you can get physical media, physical games, please, please buy them over digital copies. Um, 
a lot like I've also heard that uh, people have been knowing that PS1 discs are starting to get disc rot, which is yeah. scary. And I'm a game collector. Like I haven't organized it yet, but I like I have a considerably impressive game collection that spans from like the NES till now, and I am really terrified to go through it and test everything. Um, <laughs> it's just. It's it's scary, but also just like sometimes it can end up being a good thing because I had a broken PSP for years, just wouldn't read the UMDs disc weird disc things, and then five years later, I just tried it and it worked again, and it's worked ever since. So, <laughs> huh. yeah, very weird. But yeah, this is scary. Basically, if I mean, there was a thing about 3DSs that you should like so charge them every now and then as well because they can sometimes brick. If you leave them for a few years without charging them, just look. Yeah, yeah just look after your hardware. Um, you know, it, it deserves to be loved. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of afraid to go through my 3DS games because I haven't plugged a couple of those in in like a decade. Yep. And, but that that's the thing I sort of wanted to touch on with this as well, mm -hmm. not just for you know still getting to play the thing you paid money for, but on a preservation level, like the forum post did go out of its way to say that there was a different type of memory that they could have used that this doesn't happen to. Oh. Um, and I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin speculating on why that isn't, although I wouldn't be surprised if this method was just cheaper. Yeah. Uh, that's usually what it is. But, you know, I, I don't work there. There are many decisions that get made that we don't even get to hear about. So it could be something else. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, uh, purely for purposes of preservation, like the idea that my copy of, say, Kid Icarus Uprising just won't launch anymore if I plug it into the thing that I bought to play it on just because the memory version sucks, like, that feels bad. Yeah, this is why I don't actually mind when there's lots of, like, re-releases and remasters, because I'm like, we we might need these. <laughs> yeah. Especially because that Kid Icarus Uprising is desperately in need of, like, a remake or a remaster, and... It's maybe with a control scheme that's not physically painful this time. Yeah, and it's it's stuck in a 3DS, um, which sucks. So that's terrifying. I I will say a, a brief side note about Kid Icarus Uprising. I never struggled with Kid Icarus Uprising. I I never had to use the stand that they shipped it with. I got very lucky, I think, but. It's also probably because I was young and limber at the time. <laughs> uh, to be young uh, and limber. I'm still young, but limber. I would not describe my body as limber for the past uh, 10 or so years. <laughs> so I hope that, I don't know, the Switch or whatever the Switch 2 is going to be called. More on that later. Mm. Uh Gives us Kid Icarus Uprising or a sequel that has, you know, controls that don't hurt most people. 
because I love that game. I love the soundtrack as well. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, oh, I love that game so much. I, I played the online for that game on my terrible, terrible, terrible Wi-Fi. <laughs> I don't even remember the online for it. It was just like pretty standard, like team deathmatch or there was like a an objective based mode just like capture the flag kind not capture the flag uh king of the hill kind of thing uh. where you have to like capture points like in team fortress 2 and i think there was also just free for all last person standing and you could use weapons that you had collected from playing the single player and like done the like little combination mechanic of I want the traits of this one and the traits of this one and it's going to become this kind of weapon like a claw or a club and stuff and you could also have I forget what they were called but they were these powers you could equip on like a grid and all the powers had different shapes and you could like sort of Tetris them together to get the most out of your powers oh, that's cool and some of them were like there was like a really big laser beam there was a self heal you could throw bombs. Like, there was a lot of strategy involved. I was pretty decent at it. <laughs> so, yes, please, Kid Icarus Uprising remake. When? Uh, next story. Um, last year was pretty good for Nintendo. Financially speaking. Uh... Famitsu released some data, which was then translated by Video Games Chronicle. Um, in Japan, all 10 of the best-selling games in 2023 were Nintendo Switch games. Um, in case you're curious, <laughs> going from uh, number 10 to number 1, we had Super Mario RPG Yay. at 447,687 copies. Oofed. That's that's the lowest. <laughs> and it only didn't come out that long ago either. Yeah, that game's only a couple of weeks old. Yeah. Which shows you how beloved it is. Oh, yeah. You know? Splatoon 3 at 503,312 copies. Hmm. Um, Dragon Quest Monsters 3 journey of the demon prince and the elf which is i assume a direct translation of the japanese name because i know that name as just i think just the dark prince yeah uh that game has we talked about it i think on the last episode i i played the demo and i saw a news story later that like it was so popular in japan that physical copies were really hard to find because they kept getting sold out oh yeah dragon quest is like huge in japan there is a whole island that is just a dragon quest interactive theme park <laughs> and uh they had to move the dragon quest games release dates to a weekend because too many people kept requesting the day off work whenever one would come out <laughs> oh, i've heard about yeah that. it's a whole it's a whole thing but they're good so it's fine with me. <laughs> and I really want to go to that island. But anyway. Number six is Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe at 514,581 copies. Mm. 
Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, uh, 617,223 copies. I assume this... Does this also include the expansion pass, do you think? Oh, and the bundles. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Then we have Momotaru Dentetsu World, The Earth Spins with Hope. A game that I had never heard of before I read this list. At 795,681 copies. I, I, I think it's some sort of party game? Oh, is this like... Um, oh, what's the one that's like... It's like a party game. It used to be Jap- Japan only, and it's to do with like the stock prices and things. Is it that kind of thing? Ooh, good question. Um... I forget what it's called. Ah, oh. it looks the just from looking it up on Google, the world map and thing looks similar to the game series that I cannot remember the name of. Um, this looks cool. Kind of wish it would be localized. Yeah, this seems to be Japan only. Yeah. Which is most likely why I'd never heard of it. <laughs> Same. Uh, next, we had Pokemon Scarlet and Violet at 907,432 copies. That's quite a big jump. Yep. Wow. I mean, Pokemon's popular. Raise your hand if you're surprised. <laughs> Uh, number three, Pikmin 4, with 1,119,027 copies. I am actually surprised that that beat Pokemon, to be honest. Maybe the the reviews for Pokemon um, oh, yeah. helped in that regard. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I never thought of that. Uh-oh. Uh, then another big jump, Super Mario Bros. Wonder at 1,549,401 copies. Oh, yeah. Not surprising at all. Nope. Neither is number one. Uh, if you guessed The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, congratulations, you would be correct. It's 1,929,603 copies. Insert a chest sound here. <laughs> wow. That's just in Japan, too. Yeah, that's incredible. They sold nearly 2 million copies just in Japan. And it's funny, because it's not... It's a, it's a very good game, but it is very similar to the one that came before it. So that's kind of... It's, it's just amazing what the kind of the Zelda name can do. Uh, yeah. Wow. I confess, I've never played it. The yeah, uh, you played the. I didn't really like Breath of the Wild all that much. Ah, I do prefer the like more linear Zelda games. Um, although, people, you know, some people might be like, "You only like Ocarina of Time because it's nostalgic," and I'm like, "Or I could just like it because it's good." <laughs> um, so I do prefer like old school like actually having like temples and dungeons and things like they're along and not like two minutes to figure out but no it's it's very good i still haven't actually finished it because 
it's a lot to invest in time wise. But I yeah. I enjoyed it enough to get the Tears of the Kingdom special edition switch. So uh there you go. <laughs> like I I just need a little more guidance in my games than that. That's fair. And Breath of the Wild really offered. Yeah. I don't have like a super amount of nostalgia for Zelda. Like my first Zelda game was Minish Cap. Oh. Which is a bit of an unusual one to start with, I think. Yeah. Um and I think most of the Zelda games I played were handheld. Oh. You know, so I played Minish Cap, I played Spirit Tracks, I played Phantom Hourglass. Um my favorite one was Link Between Worlds. I, I love that game. Oh, that's great. And I played the the 3DS remake of Ocarina of Time. That's you played that one before you like over the original version. Yep. Wow. I still have not played the original version, in fact. Wow. Yeah. I just feel old. Fake Zelda fan. <laughs> to be fair, like I think it's aged fine, but I understand if people don't like how a lot of N64 games look. Um, but my first was uh, Link to the Past on the SNES, um, which I think is quite a lot of people's first ones, especially if you're of a certain age. <laughs> um, and I've played all of them apart from the CDI ones. Have you even played Link's Crossbow Training? I, I have, and I own it. Uh, I think the UK is one of the only places where there was actually like a physical case for it, because uh, in America you got it in this really rubbish cardboard like slipcase. So I even have a proper version of it on my Zelda Shrine bookcase, which is, you know, everybody's got to have a Zelda Shrine in their house. <laughs> uh, That's... <laughs> I, I bring that one up because that's one people forget about like uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, actually, I don't own them, but I've played them like the the Tingle DS game. I think the, the, I think oh, yeah, there's yeah, a Tingle's Rosie Repeal. Yeah, I think there was a sequel that was like Japan exclusive, so I haven't played that one. Um, no, it was like a Club Nintendo thing. It was like a weird Japan only whatever release. Uh, but it's on my list. I will own it one day. Um, hopefully it won't be as expensive as the CDI games are. <laughs> the uh, the one I really want to play the most is Wind Waker. Oh, Wind Waker is so good. I even, I, I even cosplayed Wind Waker Link and it was so much fun. Uh, he is the best Link. Um, I am still holding out that they're going to do like a remaster of that. Uh, I think it might be saved for the Switch 2. Uh, but it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like I love, especially the main theme. Yep. But I love the music from what, what music I've heard from that game. And I also never owned a Wii U, so I never got to play uh, that remaster. Yeah. I would be lying if I say I didn't own that version too. <laughs> Uh, very good game. Oh. But yeah, like I, I've played a little bit of Breath of the Wild, but I didn't get along with it super well. Never played Twilight Princess. Never. Oh. I've played a little bit of Majora's Mask, but not much. Twilight Princess uh, is good though. I I never had a Wii. 
It was on the GameCube. I also never had a GameCube. <gasps> to be fair, it's quite a rare GameCube game now. Or, like, it's expensive. Um, I, I went from a third-hand Nintendo 64 to a Nintendo Switch. Wow. I, I had, like, most of the handheld consoles between then. Like, I had a GBA and an SP, and then a DS Lite, and then a 3DS, and then a new 3DS. But, yeah, I missed out on most of the home consoles. GameCube was a good time. Um, I was hoping they would do, like, a... Because the Twilight Princess got an HD remaster on the Wii U, too. And I was hoping they would do, like, a Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD on one cartridge, like a combo for the Switch. And they never did. Ooh, that would be cool. Uh, and I think that, at this rate, they hunt, they're gonna, but they're gonna release them on the next uh console i think because it'd just be silly it just it'd be printing money at this point because i i already own them multiple times and i'll just buy them again <laughs> but yeah. but that means you'll get to experience them so and they're both very good yeah so speaking of the next switch mm -hmm. uh our final story for the episode um is it's a bit of a weird one uh, that frustrated me as, like, someone who vaguely exists in the games journalism space <laughs> because there were a number of stories going around a couple of days ago. I say a couple of days ago. It's been, like, five days at this point mm -hmm. that Altec Lansing, an audio electronics company released a press release to various sites that made the claim that their AI-powered follow-up to GameShark is going to be launched in conjunction with the Nintendo Switch 2 in September of 2024. That would be a neat trick if we knew anything about the Nintendo Switch 2's release date beyond probably 2024. And sure enough, when um, Digital Trends followed up with them, they backtracked on the September release and just changed it to, say, fall. The story gets even weirder because Jason Schreier of Bloomberg posted on Twitter that when he asked about this release date thing, he was told, oh, yeah, we just made it up for the press release. We were just guessing uh. when we said September. And this, I, I don't want to, I am not saying definitively that this is what the company did, but what I think happened, speculating, is nope. They, they thought that nobody would care about their AI-powered follow-up to GameShark from a company previously not involved in the video games industry. So they snuck a little thing in there. Let's do something that gets people talking. And the most frustrating thing is that it worked. <laughs> 
Like, I'm doing it right now. Yep. New stories were written about it. And honestly, like, the, the, the AI game shark thing is sort of secondary to this story because most stories that I read focused on the Nintendo Switch 2 release date part. But I hate that if this is indeed what they thought, which again, I am speculating on, that they were able to manipulate journalism for their own gain like this. Yeah. Because it is manipulative. It's, it's very sneaky. And here I am, part of the problem. Yeah, I guess you could be play devil's advocate and say, like, that is the start of... I don't want to say fall, because that's so American, but um, that is kind of the start of autumn-ish. It is, yeah. And, like, if it wasn't an AI thing, because I... As much as when I have to talk about it for work, I have to straight report on AI things. But as a personal thing, I absolutely hate the state of how AI is being used these days, especially uh, in my like line of work because it's putting people out of jobs. Um, but like, if it was like an indie company that accidentally did this, then like, if that's what they have to do to like try and get ahead, then fair dues. Although like. Yeah, if it was an actual thing put in place, they might have an NDA or like something signed to say they weren't allowed to say that. That would definitely be a thing. Yeah, but it if that were the case, I feel like they would have done a better job double-checking before they made a press release. Yeah, unless somebody now doesn't have a job. <laughs> Uh, it's possible again like the, the thing i said is pure speculation no you're probably you are probably but... right uh i i was just being facetious i can't even, being facetious there we go my lisp being annoying um september would be an interesting time for it actually although just because they're going to announce it then doesn't mean it's going to come out then right yeah like, as I said on the uh, official GamePodular Discord server, um, I, I I pressed X to doubt a lot of this press release. Yeah. Nove is it just November is normally quite a Nintendo release kind of time. So, I don't know. It's all, all we can do is speculate until the, it actually happens. Yeah. And... Hopefully, I can pre-order whatever does come out because I want whatever it is so bad. <laughs> Do you even know what it is or what it looks like yet? And I want it. I do want to say, as a sort of final thing for this story, uh, the the article I read was uh, from Digital Trends. Thomas, F I'm going to do my best here. Thomas Franzese. Uh, want to shout you out you did some very good reporting on this story and it was very helpful for me as a researcher so thank you <laughs> um so 
this is the part of the episode where we generally talk about what we've been playing. Uh, given the time of year that it was, <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about, uh, we wanted to start this by talking about what we played all of last year, because more and more services are doing a year of year and review thing nowadays, including Nintendo. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go, uh, in order of the thing that they send you, um, and we're just going to go back and forth. What was yours? What was mine? Et cetera. And have sort of a little conversation about that. Yeah. So, um, what was your first game of 2023? So, according to the wrap up, annoyingly, it just says Nintendo 64. <laughs> ah, the um, online. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying thing. to guess what it was. Like maybe there was a game that was like released on the cusp of the start of a year ago. Uh, I'm gonna maybe guess Ocarina of Time or something because that feels like on brand <laughs> but I, I i honestly do not know oh it could be banjo kazooie which would also be on brand but all i can say is it was something nintendo 64 related <laughs> thanks nintendo what was yours mine was pokemon scarlet ah that had come out fairly recently at the beginning of 2023, and boy, I was playing it a lot. <laughs> Same for now, but I'm playing the DLC <laughs> instead. Uh, great start, it's <laughs> uh, Next, there is how many total games for how many total hours? Mm. What you got? Uh, games, I got 35. Which is actually less than I thought. Uh, and so is the hours. Although obviously like uh, this is also including like every other console and bit of hardware that I played games on. So maybe it's actually okay. Uh, 234 total hours. Which doesn't feel like a lot. Uh, I have 16 total games. Oh. But 312 total hours. Um, Yeah, the three top... My top three games in terms of playtime should not be a surprise as to how I came to that number. But first, Ah. how about your most played games of the year? Okay, so third, we got Splatoon 3. Which... You know, I like me some Splatoon. That's that's pretty understandable. My second one is a theater rhythm final bar line, which is the Final Fantasy music rhythm game, uh, which I might actually go back to because it was really fun. And number one, uh, I the someone who has not completed it. This is quite funny. It is The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, and it is telling me that for a game I. Don't even think I'm halfway through. It says 70 hours. Uh, I could have wow. spent that learning to do a craft. So that's kind of scary. <laughs> what about you? 
My number three was Dragon Quest Treasures. Oh, yeah. I want to play that. For 43 hours. Okay. My number two was Monster Hunter Rise for 77 hours. Oh, you do like your Monster Hunter. I do. I've been playing World again recently. (laughs) I've put about 35 hours into it in the last three weeks. Um, And number one is Pokemon Scarlet for 81 hours. Wow. There's a lot to do in that game. And, And I mean, also the DLCs came out last year. Of course. Which added to the uh, playtime there as well. Um, my gaming trends. So at the bottom, it's narrative adventure. I'm going to guess that's the Somnium files and like visual novels and things. Above that, it's 8% for shooting. That seems very vague. <laughs> Uh, above that for number four is 10% for music uh, Demo I play that on the Switch a lot love that game above that for number three it's 12% for classic games that will be the Nintendo Switch Online libraries uh, above that number two 24% for adventure that'll be Zelda uh, and above at number one 39% is action uh, I guess that's probably Zelda 2. I don't know what it thinks is mainly action, but yeah. That's a bit of a vague category. It, yeah. yeah, but it must be Zelda, probably. Mine, at number six, is 1% Puzzle, <laughs> which I assume is Ghost Trick. Oh, yeah. Uh, number five is Shooting at 4%. That was probably Metroid Prime Remastered. Oh, yeah. And if you want to get really technical about it, Pokemon Snap. Oh, I see what you New did. Pokemon Snap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four at 5% is Strategy. Ooh. I genuinely don't know what strategy game I played on Switch. Fire Emblem? Nope. Oh. Don't know then. Uh, number three is Adventure at 19%. Number two is RPG at 26%. Oh. Uh, looking at my top three, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> and number one is also Action at 45%. Oh. Uh, when did you play most? In which month? So apparently it's May. What came out in May? Do you remember? Was that Zelda? I think that was Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> what was yours? Uh, how many hours did you play? Oh, so it says 80. Um... Yeah, it sounds like it would be Tears of the King. Yeah, wow. Uh, Mine was January. Oh. 74 hours. I imagine that was mostly Pokemon and Monster Hunter. Oh, okay. Because that was sort of the tail end of Sunbreak, the Monster Hunter Rise expansion. Oh, yeah. 
That was when they were sort of starting to release the last couple of content updates. Uh, yeah, and, you know, there was a lot of Pokemon to play. <laughs> and there still is. Yep. I don't want to get too much into it because we're not really covering it on the podcast today, but... Wow. The Indigo Disc DLC, there's a lot of it. Oh, you're going to make me want to buy it. <laughs> like, I, I've played a lot of it already, and I am haven't actually made a lot of progress. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, expect to see Pokemon Scarlet um, pretty high up there this year, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, and I like that at the bottom here, that's coming in 2024. Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Princess Peach Showtime, and Luigi's Mansion 2 HD. Ooh, I forgot about that last one. I am going to... I I think I'm most interested in Princess Peach Showtime. Same. It looks really cool. Yeah. I need to remember... That's March, right? I think so. Yeah, I need to remember... Because I luckily got a new job I've been like oh I can pre-order games this year and I didn't appreciate how many games are coming out and it's a bit scary Uh, and I get FOMO really easily so it's like oh no why are there's so many games (laughs) Um, I haven't yet pre-ordered anything on the Switch I think that Princess Beach Showtime will probably be the main one Um, so hey maybe we'll like be able to talk about it at the same time maybe Mm. that's march 22nd in case you were curious ah very soon boy is there something coming out sooner uh uh that being the thing that i wanted to talk about today uh, as far as games we played um so at time of recording uh tomorrow uh prince of persia the lost crown is coming out Mm. And they released a demo for it onto the Switch, and I think that game looked really, really cool, so I decided to give it a go. Wow. It's so good. And I always hate saying that about Ubisoft games, but it's just true. (laughs) It's so, so good. uh, There was already a couple previews that went around a couple days ago and they were all very positive the interesting thing about the demo that i haven't seen in a demo in a while is it's sort of like a vertical slice kind of thing it's not just the beginning of the game although i think narratively it's pretty close to the beginning but in terms of the like character abilities you have you have more than i think you're supposed to about that part of the game Mm. because they wanted you to be able to experience some of the like special powers that you can get to sort of play around with them a little bit and see what they're like in the in the context of the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a roguelike, uh, not a roguelike, it's a Metroidvania take on the Prince of Persia series. You are not playing as the prince, but you're playing as someone who is trying to save the prince. And yeah there's metroidvania elements uh the combat system is really really cool it feels great the parry in particular is super satisfying uh you can parry ranged attacks which is wild 
Uh, it also feels like it's got a decent amount of challenge to it, even on normal difficulty. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, it's got, you know, the, the dash ability that you see in a lot of games like this. What I do think is very, very cool is when you do the dash in the air, the animation that your character has is like the prince when he's wall running. Ah. Um, and we didn't see a lot of like time manipulation powers that you would expect in a Prince of Persia game because apparently based on like just the, the store page the villain is the one doing the time manipulating in this game and you're trying to solve the problems that that's creating but the art style is really really good it's, it's a gorgeous game it's really satisfying to play I think I'm going to pick it up. This demo has convinced me to per pay real dollars for a new Ubisoft game. <laughs> Bastards. Cuz you know, I don't I don't buy a lot of Ubisoft games like I'm I'm a pretty big Assassin's Creed fan. Uh even though I didn't like Odyssey all that much or Origins. I really like Valhalla. But I haven't paid full price for a Ubisoft game in a very long time, and I think I'm going to for this one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last Ubisoft game I bought, and I genuinely can't remember. Oh, maybe the um, Mario RPG with the with the Rayman things. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the sort of Mario XCOM. Yeah, I actually still want the second one. Um, but I was hesitant to buy it because it was Ubisoft. So, uh, no, yeah. My, like, Prince of Persia knowledge is, like, my mom would always talk about how amazing, like, the old, the old school ones were. Like, that was, like, her childhood. And she would, like, the graphics of when you, like, spun on things was amazing. And the... One of my favorite childhood games was Aladdin on the SNES, and whenever I played it, she'd be like, "Oh, well, this, the physics in this were based off of Prince of Persia." <laughs> I always just have that in my head. Um, so it's kind of cool that the the like IP is still like blowing people's minds. That's kind of neat. I like that. I also wanted to mention that um, the developer of this game is specifically Ubisoft Montpellier. Yeah who um, you may recognize from making Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends, some of the genuinely best platformers ever made. Yep, easily. Uh, so that explains why it feels so good to play. They're also apparently uh, the ones behind Zombie U. Ah, oh, I love that game. Genuinely. And Beyond Good and Evil 2, if that ever... <laughs> sees the light of day mm, doubt <laughs> but yeah uh, so it's not that much of a surprise then that this game feels so good to play because they made Rayman Legends yep but yeah I'm I'm super excited in fact I'm gonna go buy it after we finish recording this podcast wow I mean it's coming out tomorrow at time of recording uh not to date this episode, but I did just date this episode. <laughs> I 
kind of, even though I was just talking about physical media being great, I was like, oh, this would be great to play on the Steam Deck. <laughs> oh, there's a physical, there, there are physical Switch copies. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I will also say it's not obviously a Switch exclusive. It is coming to just PC, PS4, yep. Xbox One, Series X, and Series S, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, and I'm sorry, what's an Amazon Luna? <laughs> is that still a thing? I thought... Was it ever a thing It's like at any point? You, I've never heard of this. I think it's like their cloud streaming thing. Device? Console? Holy cow, it is. Yeah. I thought that had gone the way of the Google... Um, Stradia? Stadio? What was that called? Stadia, right? Oh my, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you learn something new every day. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> well, I'll be damned. Nine ninety nine per month, or ex or included with Amazon Prime. Oh, I have that. I had Amazon Prime just video, exclusively to watch Supernatural. Look, we all make mistakes. Yeah, I will defend myself that I mainly use it for the free shipping because it's I, I I work from home and have disabilities, so not being able to leave the house and buy things is very helpful. Uh, but, but maybe, you know, ethics and all that, but wary on that, but you know, you can't boycott everything, <laughs> but so I'll yeah. defend myself. Uh, but yeah, so it literally is coming out on everything. <laughs> uh, I was going to make a joke, but that doesn't even work anymore. Uh. I was going to say like the single tier rolls down the cheek of the Ouya. <laughs> but that thing hasn't been supported in like seven years, I think. I, I also forgot that existed until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just happened to see it in a YouTube video like two days ago. I, I, I was going through my Humble library recently and saw that, oh, I have an Ouya code for Psychonauts. Oh, that's so random. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> But yeah, um, so best scenario for a demo in that it completely convinced me to buy the game. Yeah. I'm super into it. Demos rock. And uh, don't be surprised if I talk about the full game in the future on the podcast. Ooh. You yeah. have been playing Super Mario RPG. I have. I've almost completed it, I think. The characters are literally saying that this is, you know, end game. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm there. <laughs> um, I don't want to go into it fully because I want to like finish it and let it kind of like sit for a while. Because it's not very long. I think it's about between 12 and 15 hours long. Uh, so I want to kind of let it settle and kind of digest it and see how I feel. As first impressions go, it's very it's very lovely. Did you play the original one at all on the SNES? Nope. Ah, yeah. See, like 
nobody I knew had it as a kid. Um, I only knew about it from like borrowing like Nintendo magazines, and I think I played like little bits of it on emulators, naughty me, uh, as I got older. But I've never actually completed it. A part of me kind of wishes that I had completed the original one because um, I like the kind of the look of it and I like the models and stuff. And I kind of wish they kind of added a system like with, uh, you know, like the director's cut of Monkey Island 1 and 2. You could just switch to the original game whenever you wanted. Kind of wish they, oh, yeah. yeah, kind of wish they implemented that. But then maybe more, like most people would just do that. <laughs> uh, but no, it's very lovely. It's very, it's quite easy. Um, when I think, like, I love the Mario and Luigi RPG series. It's like, so incredible and so funny um they get quite challenging up until a point but i have not struggled with this at all to a point where i was worried that i accidentally had the in game settings to like easy or it's breezy is the one that's in the that's actually called in the game but no it was just on normal um it's that kind of basic you know like as what obviously inspired mario and luigi rpgs is that when you go to hit something, if you press the button at the right time, you do extra damage. Um, yeah. It, and that's... It's because it's a SNES game that's as bare bones as it is. You get items. Some characters have healing spells. I don't want to go into too much detail because I want to do that when I finish. It is lovely. Um, I I think you need... I don't get all the Geno hype, though. The, char- the character Gino was like beloved, like so beloved that people were like, like signing petitions so that he could get into Smash Brothers for like decades. And I was like, wow, he must be a really cool character. And then I've played the game and I'm like, he's barely in it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. he's The design is cool. His moves are cool. But I don't understand where all the kind of like hype for him came from at all it's very weird if anything Mallow who is like the little cloud guy is way more interesting and a little cure uh, Mallow for Smash <laughs> that probably was a thing um, yeah so that was weird but it is it's very cute um, and you can switch to the original music in the game and honestly they don't sound that different which goes to show how incredible the SNES was for music back in the day um yeah yeah it's just do you know what i think it would be the perfect like rpg entry point like maybe Mm. if you had i don't want to say like maybe if you had kids and you were like oh i really want them to play like get into final fantasy one day or you know and maybe a lot of final fantasies have quite mature themes so, like, if you wanted to, like, introduce them to that genre, I think this would be a pretty perfect one. Especially if they already like Mario, because they're already going to be familiar with, like, the characters and the lore and the relationships. Um, I kind of wish it was harder in that respect. But I appreciate how old the original game is, so I don't want to, you know, judge it by today's standards. It's just I mean, here's the thing about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is sort of a reputation of what's called Nintendo hard, mm-hmm. which is that 
games back in the day were generally a lot less forgiving. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure if they've changed it for the remake. But I feel like I would have heard people talking about that. That was the case. Do you maybe think that it could have been an intentional design decision to, in fact, make it a very good entry point into RPGs? Yeah, because as much as us and loads of adults love Mario, like back in the day they were, and now they're still aimed primarily towards a younger audience. So it would have made sense if there's a Mario RPG and it's not, it's more accessible, which is obviously totally fine. So that does make, it's very logical. Um, I just, with the kind of reputation the game has, I assumed it was challenging or at least kind of felt like it got challenging. I have not had any, I've, I think I've had to redo a couple of bosses once, but it's been such a, such a easy thing to pick up, which I guess, you know, sometimes the first game you play in the new year, when things are a bit stressful, sometimes that's what you need. <laughs> but I, I like, yeah. I like a bit of a grind to my art. RPGs um, and there's not really a point to and I know some people love like love the idea of that and hate grinding but that's like that's my jam so I'm not disappointed it's more just like it's not what I thought it was going to be um, if you like grinding may I recommend a series called Monster Hunter <laughs> hey but Monster Hunter is very like big hard bosses and in that regards a bit dark soulsy and i am terrible at that so <laughs> um, it's okay you could play light bowgun and turn it into a third person shooter okay i have tried to play or heavy bowgun and turn it into a slower third person shooter. <laughs> I'm, i might pick up rise when it's on sale again i missed it recently um but yeah it, I, i'll want to go more detail when it's it's finished. I'm, I think I'm literally a couple of bosses away and that's it. Um, it is very cute. They've added, well, I assume they've added, I think they've definitely added little like uh, fully rendered cutscenes. Um, they don't have any voice acting, but they're so cute. Um, depending on like your party um, loadout, um, there's different like special moves that you can do. Um, and it changes depending on the character, which means the cut scene is different. And it's just like seeing Princess Peach and doing cute things or like Mario like surfing on a rainbow. And it's like, wow, this is adorable. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and there's just, yeah, there's just little cut scenes that are quite short, kind of interspersed throughout the game, which I really liked. Uh, also, Bowser is like your pal in this one, and I like when that happens. Yeah. I think he's better as a friend than he is a main enemy, to be honest. Um, and it's kind of funny. There's like a there's like a scene where Bowser accidentally kisses Mario, and I was like, ah, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm easily pleased. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to play a thing that is very well known and very hyped up that I haven't played. Because like we were saying earlier, like a lot of the big Nintendo games like Ocarina of Time and things like that, I, I played as they were becoming big. So there's not, I've not played everything in the world, but there's not many big staple Nintendo games that I haven't experienced before in some shape or form. 
So it is very interesting going into this from that perspective. Uh, I, it's just, yeah, I want to wait till it's all finished so I can, I can properly kind of like process it. But I am enjoying it. I just, I, I will never understand the Gino thing. It is just, he's just kind of there. <laughs> I, I did want to mention two things. Mm -hmm. One, um, one thing that they have mentioned in like the marketing for this game is that for those of you who are, for those players who are looking for a little more challenge, you can like refight bosses and they'll be harder this time yeah and i think there's some hidden bosses which i'm going to try um which yeah that's good to know i knew about the hidden bosses i didn't know you could redo bosses so i will try that and maybe that'll also kind of up to the the game time a little bit too because you can you gather like you collect i mean it's mario game you gather like stars like and that's like the major thing to get in each area. Um, and I'd like barely been playing it. And I'm like, how come I have half? What happened? <laughs> um, and I haven't, I honestly like haven't been playing it that much because I've uh, been working. So, you know, if I wasn't working, I've been playing it all day. Sometimes I'm amazed at how fast I get through something. But no, I've just been doing a couple hours every other night. So that's weird but you know even even like an okay Mario game is still better than your average game uh, and maybe this is the perfect thing to like start the year off with something chill before I play something that's gonna you know I'm gonna spend a hundred hours on which you know Tekken 8 is coming out that's gonna happen very soon <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it's this, I just I like I like the takes being something that's famous that I haven't properly delved into. It's it's a nice change of pace, I have to say. I'm sort of like medium interested in this game because, like, like you, I've I've never played the original, mm -hmm. but I I like you also have a lot of experience with RPGs. Yeah, you know, I've played a fair number of Final Fantasies and Dragon Quests and stuff. Yep. So I I I don't know really how much this game is going to offer me. Yeah. Especially like cuz the the remake for Thousand Year Door is coming out very soon on Switch as well. Oh yeah. And that's one I'm a lot more interested in because that like I I know that the Super Mario RPG is beloved. But part of that was also, you know, it came in, it came out on on Super Nintendo, and we haven't really heard much about it since. Yeah. And Thousand Year Door is a little more recent because it was GameCube. It was two console generations later, I think, or was it N sixty four? There is a paper. The first Paper Mario is on the N sixty four, but that one is on the was on the GameCube originally. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little more recent, uh, and that one. I have heard so many good things about. Oh, it's amazing. So that's the one I'm a little more interested in. Yeah. As far as the very specific subgenre of RPGs featuring Mario go. <laughs> yeah, I have a 
I have a feeling that if it was priced at like half um, a retail game is now, that that would make it more justifiable, maybe. Because it is full price. Yeah? It is, yeah. And luckily, I got it as a gift for one of my Christmas presents. But I might be a bit annoyed at the length and how easy it is if I paid like £60 for it. <laughs> um, yeah, especially, we can see that. Yeah, especially, and I say this every time, but a really cool remake that is on the Switch, I have to say, the remake of Medieval, which is one of my favourite games of all time, came out and it was a remake and it was beautiful and I got that and the Steelbook on day one and it was £25. Yeah. And that that was that to me is perfect pricing. So when I see a remake that's not as long and not as challenging and ugh, and it's double that, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's okay. <laughs> it's not like Nintendo needs the money. But, you know, there might be areas of that that I, I don't know about. I do. I just feel like maybe that would have gotten more people to experience it or justified it a little more. Because I just... Game length is a thing for me where I don't necessarily think everything has to be super long because that can be annoying, but there is there is something to be said with like the length of something and the amount of hard-earned money you're going to put into something. Yeah, value for money is a genuine consideration. Yeah, um, I don't think it's they're always equal to each other. I think it depends on the context of the game. But yeah, if it ever goes on sale, which hmm, probably not. Haha, <laughs> good joke. Yeah, um, then I would tell everyone to pick up. But I don't think it's entirely, like, if someone's already a, an RPG veteran like yourself, I don't think it's worth, like, I don't think you have to, you know? Um, and honestly, I actually still really want to play the original as it was, just to see how it compares. Um but I can't because it's not on the Nintendo Switch Online SNES library and I don't want to look up how ridiculous the prices for an actual physical copy are now because I bet it will be expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, probably. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I yeah, I definitely invest more in a thousand year old door because that game is incredible. I actually forgot that was a th thing coming out. That's exciting. I will say maybe, maybe the price has gone down because, you know, there is now a new, more accessible version. So there are more functional copies going around for people who just want to play it Ooh. instead of collect it. Yeah, maybe. I did like that. Or the price has gone up because the remake renewed interest in the game for collectors. Yeah. Um... Either one. I did like that the the box art is just like a like a replica of the original box art, where it's like a white background, and they're all standing looking towards the side. And then when you open up the box, it actually has um, box art on the inside, which not all games have these days, and that makes me sad. And it's of the map, and it's really pretty. I appreciated that. Yeah, the little things. Um, but yeah, 
I, I will see how I feel when I play it entirely and let it let it sit for a bit. Um, but yeah, maybe by next episode. Yeah, probably. I'm definitely like characters are seeing things. I'm definitely near the end, unless it's gonna like, you know, do a one over on me and it's like you're actually halfway through, which would be kind of cool. But I don't think so. Sea, sea of stars this is not no no <laughs> alrighty uh, speaking of next episode um, I, I guess we already know what you're going to be playing <laughs> between this episode and the next one yes. so, uh, but for the sake of constructing the segments properly what are you going to be playing between now and next episode well, next episode, I'm going to be playing Super Mario RPG Remake. Yay! What? <laughs> oh, I know. I never would have seen that coming. <laughs> what are you going to be playing? Um, uh, that's, I think I've pretty much already said it as well. Yeah. But, uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Yay! Uh, with a side note, also, I'll finish Indigo Disc sometime, but it's, there's a lot of it, and it's, surprisingly challenging sometimes I uh, can't wait to actually talk about it once I finished it but boy I'm not close <laughs> hey everybody Hilke here I just wanted to pop in and say thank you for listening to this episode of Focus. if you enjoyed it uh, please leave us a little review on iTunes it's really the big thing that helps us get noticed uh, also, share it with your friends. Tell people about it. That's something we always really appreciate. You can listen, subscribe on Spotify and other podcast services. Uh, also, be sure to check out our sister show, Game Podular Unfocused, also featuring me. Follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, other content. We're also on Mastodon these days on the Mastodon Games instance. I'm going to be doing posts for that. Uh, links to all of our socials, including our Discord server, are found on the link tree. If you'd like to support our shows financially, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular patron on the Patreon, the details for which are on our website. Thank you very much. This episode was edited by me, Hilka, and you can follow me at Gear12 underscore Turbo on Twitter or, more preferably, at, at Gear12Turbo at Kind.Social on Mastodon. I was joined today by Rosalie, who you can find at at Little Record Girl on Twitter. That's at L I L Record Girl. Have a good one.